Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Championship Roundtable podcast. You can find each show at Championship Pod on Twitter. I'm Louis Shackshaft. Today I'm with Jake Jackman again. And what we're going to do is get straight into it. Uh, so, Jake, if you don't mind, can you talk me through your big wins and surprises from the most recent fixtures? Yeah, so it was obviously uh, good to have the Championship back. Uh, got got off to quite an entertaining start in the, in the early kickoffs. Um, I think that. Big wins for me is obviously Brentford getting that win was huge. Um, yeah, I thought that they, they, they played really, um, they played really well in stages. It was a bit of a mixed game. I felt like um, at each of the water breaks, as they as as they are, um, the game sort of switched at both of them. Um, with Fulham having good periods and Brentford having good periods, but Brentford obviously finished a stronger uh, and got two uh, good goals at the end to take the three points. Um, of a huge win for them, obviously puts them into contention of maybe chasing down Leeds and West Brom, although it's still a big gap, still eight points um, for Brentford. But it, it was a huge win, and they're definitely the team for me that I think um, are the best in the division outside West Brom and Leeds. Um, just mm. a couple more results, they'll, they'll pick off the, the easier ones and make you go for um, find a few I want to talk about, Louis. But I'll go okay. to Cholton Hall. It was a game we, we previewed last week. Two teams that are having trouble um, with getting players to extend their contracts, but Charlton was a better team on the day. Got a win. Error made by the whole goalkeeper, to be honest, but uh, I thought Charlton were, were pretty solid. And they've had this so many times this season where they've ground out 1 0 wins, um, sort of giving up possession and just being uh, difficult to break down. And, and with Hull not having many players, um, you know, many key players to call upon, those that have left the club um, in January, Bowen and Grisekiel and Lehigh and, and um, Jackson Irvine as well. I, I think Cholton just, the, there's a better feeling around Cholton. I think that was the, the main reason for them getting those three points. And, and if you've seen some of the stuff come out about Hull in the last 48 hours, I think the Athletic did quite a big piece on Hull um, and sort of the, the overall uh, reign from the Alam family and, it, and they've come back and released a statement on that story. So lots of controversial stuff going on at Hull and that, that loss at, at the weekend shouldn't really be a surprise considering the just the free fall that the club seems to be in. But that's huge for Cholton. Lifts them out of the relegation zone, puts Hull into it and um, it'll give them confidence that they can stay up even without Lyle Taylor um, playing for them. Uh, and then finally moving on to Sunday, we had Cardiff beating Leeds 2-0. Um, probably not yep. Not a game that was, was 2-0. Um, not sure if it was a 2-0 game, but Cardiff were definitely the... Um, I, don't know, they, I wouldn't say they were the better team, but they, they sort of knew their own limitations and they knew 
what to expect from Leeds. I thought Leeds were quite poor. There were two errors um, for the two goals. Calvin Phillips wasn't very good at all. He, he had a, he had a knock game, uh, and they just didn't seem to create um, the clear cut chances that we're, we're used to. So I think Cardiff were were solid. They worked hard, uh, and they took their opportunities when they came. And we spoke last week. I did say that I thought Cardiff might be ones to finish the season strongly. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure I saw them get anything from this game, but it was. I'm not too surprised that they did, and they now move into seventh position and getting a win against Leeds. You know that will give them all the confidence. Um, that they can go on and, and finish in those top six places. So they're, they're the three results for me that jump out from the weekend. Yeah, they are all big wins. And, you know, it was great to have championship football back. It seems ages since we've done big wins and surprises. And we're going to discuss uh, standout players as well. But, yeah, a few results that I'd like to touch on. I think, you know, Derby getting that 3-2 victory at Millwall. That was one of the games of the weekend. Um, I know we're going to come on to players, but obviously uh, Louis Sibley there had a fantastic game with his hat-trick, only 18 years of age. And that keeps Derby, yes, in contention with the playoffs. It's it's going to be very, very interesting who's going to finish from third to sixth this season uh, because, you know, as it stands, right down to Derby in 12th, anyone could you know, pick up that fifth or sixth spot. Um, so that was a great win for them. You know, Millwall are still in it, despite that loss. Both teams are now settled 54 points. Another one, we, we didn't discuss it last week, actually, was Huddersfield against Wigan. Um, both teams, again, fighting for survival. I think, you know, both teams may just be about OK this season, but that was a huge win for Wigan. I think they'll be completely fine, especially after this 2-0 win away at Huddersfield. That was a big win for them, moves them into 17th on 44 points. And then back up in the playoff spots, um, I know we previewed and predicted the uh, Blackburn-Bristol City game. Um, I went for a Bristol City win, you went for the Blackburn win, and you was right again, Jake. You've picked off some uh, good predictions this week. I know we both said that Charlton had probably win 1-0 at Hull as well, which we was um, correct about. Yeah, but Blackburn scoring three goals at home there. We said that they are decent at home and yeah, that keeps them, well, in, in eighth position, 56 points and, you, you know, again, there is a couple of dark horses in, you know, in and around that playoff hunt and I think Blackburn is certainly one of them as are Cardiff, as you've mentioned. So that takes us nicely into the standout players of the week. Um, I've got four players on the list, but you go for it first, Jake. Yeah, I'll try to steer uh, steer away from some of the obvious ones. Uh, as I said, most obvious results. So I'll let you cover those. But a few that jumped out to me, um, I'll start off with Rian Brewster uh, for Swansea. We obviously mm-hmm. spoke about the, the impact he could have um, when he signed from Liverpool, uh, a player with Great potential. He's he's won um, international tournament of England uh, in youth football. Not really had a chance at Liverpool, but he, he's really uh, taken his chance at Swansea and he's running with it. He got two goals. Also hit the um, woodwork. Uh, could have had a hat trick. He was a constant threat. And he now has six goals in in twelve games. A very very good return for a, a player sort of getting their first experience of senior football. Um, so he, he was excellent. It's just his movement. Um, and just quality finishing were just on show. And you could see that he is a player destined for, for bigger things, um, sort of similar to Tammy Abraham when, when he first came on loan to, to Bristol City. I, th- I think it's sort of similar there, although we're only seeing Brewster over a, a shorter period of time. But there's definitely some parallels that you can see uh, between the two of them, not so much in style, but just sort of 
the quality that they have, uh, having never played senior football and just taken to the championship um, so easily. Uh, it was really impressive. Um, from the Brentford game, uh, I thought Ben Rama and Mark Andres were both good, but I'd like to talk about Dave yep. Ryer in goal. I thought he made some excellent stops, and if it wasn't for him, um, I don't think Brentford would have been in the position to win that game, and, and there's been a few times this season where he's been a little bit dodgy, made a few errors, but he's, he, he returned uh, and delivered such a quality goalkeeper performance against Fulham uh, after the after the the break and goalkeeping performances like that. I, you don't see them too often in the Championship. You, you, you know, there's nobody mm. really that we think of that we think is, is a quality uh, keeper in the Championship destined for, for Premier League future. You know, we had a last season with Dean Henderson. Not quite sure we've had one this season that or, or at least I've not one has, has jumped out for me. I think Freddie Woodman's been good at Swansea, but David Raya, that was a really good performance from him uh, and deserves to be uh, mentioned, I think. And then the, the final one for me will be a Wigan player for Jamal Lowe. He's a player I saw a lot last season for Portsmouth. I thought he was going to be an excellent signing for Wigan, bring a lot more goals and assists than he, than he had done. He, he had a little, he had quite a difficult time bef- um, before the break, uh, sort of struggling to adapt to, to Championship football, but a goal and assist in his first game back, it would give him bags of confidence. And I think he's one that, that could finish the season strongly. He's got the the pace and the the, the dyna- uh, dynamic sort of style that that could suit post-lockdown football quite well with, with defenders having lower fitness um, and maybe not being so quick off the mark. I think he's a player that could really um, do a lot over the rest of the season. It was a really good start for him. So, yeah, I think they're the three for me that, that stood out. Yeah, you've picked a couple of players off my list. I know you said you're going to leave me the easier ones, but I had Ben Rama, Raya, and Brewster as well. Uh, I'd just like to mention that Andre Ayo had a great game in that win against Borough as well for Swansea. Uh, I know I've already talked about Louis Sibley. You know, there's there's not many players who are 18 or below what managed to score a hat trick in this division, and I know he's only got a handful of starts for. Derby. So for him to score three goals will give him a huge confidence boost, uh, especially in that position that he was playing there. He looks bright and one for the future. The only other player or a couple of players what springs to mind what have scored a hat-trick in this division at a young age is um, Jude Bellingham, I believe, did it earlier in the season, didn't he? Um, Ryan Sessignon, I believe, got a hat-trick a year or two ago. Uh, for Fulham but yeah there's there's not many players that have managed to do that so it was good to see a player at that age you know getting on the score sheet on three occasions um, especially like I say when when he's not played too many uh, games at this stage so I'm sure he'll be keeping his starting place in Derby's next fixture. Uh, I watched the Sheffield Wednesday Nottingham Forest game and I'd just like to mention Joe Lolly you know his goal was superb uh, the way that he brought it down, uh, beat his man and finished in the bottom corner. I think, you know, Joe Lolly has probably been Forest player of the season. I know him and Graben, you know, managed to get quite a few of the goals. But yeah, just the way he's, he, he, he uses class at times. And I think yeah, he had a, a fantastic game. So yeah, they're the players that I'd uh, like to put forward as my players of the week but I think ultimately and, and I'm sure you'd agree Jake is that we've got to hand it to Louis Sibley on this occasion um, so yeah he's certainly one to look out for uh, but yeah moving into the topics Jake um, I had down initially I wanted to ask you the question if if it was time that Woodgate was sacked um, but the breaking news today just a few hours before we are recording this show is that Woodgate 
has now been sacked and is replaced by Neil Warnock. So I want to ask you, have the club made the right decision there and should they have done that sooner? It's a difficult one. Um, I think that when Middlesbrough appointed Jonathan Woodgate, I thought we all we all knew they were going to be growing pains and it was they were going to have you know a difficult season before it got better because he inherited a squad that wasn't really suited to his style. Inheriting a squad from Tony Pulis and trying to change the style completely it's going to take time, uh, and we've seen that at Middlesbrough this season. Um, just the, it's, the the timing is slightly odd for me. I think that. Before the lockdown, uh, the last two results, they had a 2-2 draw at Nottingham Forest and they beat Cholton. Um, so they were showing signs of improvement and, and this, that came following Steve Gibson coming out in support of Woodgate, saying that he, he, you know, he'd have all the time he needed and a change wasn't likely in the, the immediate future. Um, yeah, the performance was bad at the weekend, but if, if you said all that stuff mm. about, about Woodgate before uh, and you, you know, got rid of Tony Pulis, a man that is... You know, very similar to the, the, the person they're bringing in, uh, to bring in Woodgate and to have that style change, to then go back on it after one bad result. It, it, it might be that they've been thinking about it for a while, but just after all those comments that he made and, and the positive results just before the lockdown, to do it after one result uh, just makes it seem like a bit of a panic move. Um, I think I, I would have liked to see him given the rest of the season. I I don't think that Millsborough would go down if he stayed. I think that they probably would have got enough points um, with him, um, purely because Hull are now in the relegation zone and that they're, they're a basket case of the club. Um, and even Barnsley and Luton, they, they showed positive signs at the weekend, but Middlesbrough still had a um, points cushion on them. And, and we've seen it before with Luton and, and Barnsley. They're so inconsistent they'll have these big results and they'll lose a few games so it i think they would have stayed up i think that if millsborough's remaining games there was enough there for 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 them to get wins they were playing whole for starters i'd expect them to to beat whole um also got games against um millwall reading and, and sheffield wednesday teams that i'm not sure would do yeah. great post lockdown so I would have given him the rest of the season. Um, I could see why they've done it. I mean, a relegation would have been a disaster for Middlesbrough, but I think that he deserved at least until the whole game. Um, but then at the same time, you could say if they they kept him then and then lost against Hull, then it would have been even more difficult for Warnock to come in and, and turn it around. Um, but bringing Warnock in, it makes a lot of sense. He's a safe pair of hands. You know he's going to deliver. Um, he's never had... Well, he hasn't had many jobs where he hasn't had some sort of success. Um, he'll come in and keep them off quite easily. Um, wouldn't be surprised to see them start off with a bang and beat Stoke. He's the type of manager that can come in and make an immediate impact. It was only a few seasons ago that he came in and kept Rotherham up in quite an amazing style uh, at the end of the season. I don't think any other manager would have been capable of doing that. So, yeah, I think it's a safe pair of hands. Um, it's not a long-term appointment, you know, he's in his 70s now, so it's only going to be until, mm-hmm. you know, maybe to the end of next season, but he's quite capable of, of ending the season well and, and putting them into a position where they can compete for promotion next season, even with the squad they've got at the moment. You know, the squad he had at Cardiff when they went up wasn't particularly talented. Um, yeah, it's, it's a good appointment, but if you if you sack Pulis to get Woodgate in, it seems like a massive 
U-turn on that, they would have been much better off keeping Pulis because I think if they would have kept Pulis, they probably would have been up in the top half of the table this season. Yeah, I've got to agree with every word you've said there. For me, you know, Woodgate, I've been like a broken record on this show all season. I remember after about 12 games, I said that it was time for Woodgate to go. I think they've underperformed all season. Um, I guess, you know, eight months later, I've kind of been proven right that they've sacked him. I was surprised to see him, you know, go through this period of three months without football. They've come back, had one home defeat. I know it was a heavy home defeat to Swansea, uh, but then just sacked all of a sudden. It makes me wonder if they've been lining up Warnock for maybe two to four weeks now. You know, they've given the Swansea fixture and and with that loss, you know, Warnock straight in there within an hour of the announcement, you know what I mean? Or within the announcement that, you know, Middlesbrough put on their statement online. So, um, yes, like you, they couldn't have picked a better man. You know, we all know that Neil Warnock is probably the most experienced man ever, if you like, in this division. Um, and I think if they hadn't have sacked Woodgate, you know, it, it may have gone down to the last day to see if Middlesbrough would have stayed up or not. It would have been very close with all these teams you know, below them winning. I know you said that you, you thought Barnsley may even stay up this season and they got that massive three points. And then, you know, teams like Huddersfield, um, they they slipped up at the weekend as well. So, yeah, it's, it's going to be tight. But with, with Warnock as the appointment, I really can see them staying up. Not, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to climb the table rapidly, but I can see them staying up by a good four or five points in this division now. And and, and it is it is a good point, but a good appointment. But like you say, from Poulis to Woodgate to, to Warnock is a, is a massive U-turn. They've kind of backtracked on what their, you know, aim and objective was, I guess, in appointing Woodgate, a younger manager in this division. And he's just, yeah, proven that, you know, after 38 games, that it's 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 not been good enough. I really think that um, Middlesbrough, with the squad that they've got and the players, the experience that they, they should be hovering around halfway this this term. So uh, they have been disappointing. But yes, let's let's see what Warnock can do. Like you say, they've got a massive game against Stoke um, away from home coming up on Saturday at three o'clock. So um, we will await the result of that one. Uh, but I want to ask you, Jake, based on the uh, recent fixtures where obviously games were played behind closed doors, a lot of people were relying on the I follow um app or website if you like that the EFL provide now a lot of people were left disappointed with the technical issues for at least the first 20 to 30 minutes how would you feel as a fan and and what were your thoughts regarding the issues that we had at the weekend uh, whilst trying to watch our, our clubs hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn you're looking in the wrong place That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, it's not great, is it? And I think the iFollow um, service has had these problems before. Um, so it's not particularly surprising that when there's an increased demand and there's going to be more traffic, um, Mm. on the service that they're going to have problems you know it's, it's, this should have been planned for um precautions should have been taking place it shouldn't really be allowed to happen it's a bad look on the efl really um you look at what the this you know it'd be easy to take the premier league as an example but we'll start with the bundesliga that seems like a um a better example so so when we returned um when the bundesliga football returned bt sport managed to stream all Bundesliga games on on their website. There didn't seem to be much problem with that. Um, you know, that's coming from another country. You know, there's there's more potential issues there, but there's there was nothing. Uh, we had it with the Premier League when uh, on Boxing Day you had Amazon Prime sort of um, doing all the streaming. Again, there weren't any major issues. Uh, at least I can't remember of any. So there's two two examples of services doing what they should be doing uh, when broadcasting a a program of uh, football matches happening in one day um so it's it it can be done if if the right companies are doing it and the, you've got the right technology available the iFollow services always seemed a little bit half assed doesn't doesn't mm. seem like they've got the best possible technology or the best possible people in charge of, of the service and it's it's not great you know especially fans not being able to get into the stadium and these ticket passes for some being what they've been accepted they've accepted in exchange for, for what would be their season ticket money if they didn't want to to get it back from their clubs um so it should be a, an excellent service and you should should be able to watch it um in good quality without disruption um and the fact that they weren't at the first weekend just brings big question marks about it and I'm sure it's going to be something that's going to have to be looked at quite urgently because we can't have a repeat of that. Yeah, again, I've got to agree with you. I think for me, yeah, no excuse whatsoever. It's a paid service, um, even based on the, on the refund that season ticket holders have had or, or the rebate options, if you like, where they've, they've got this service available to them. I mean, I, I feel for you know, fans who've not missed a game for numerous years now and then they're relying on this service and, you know, within a couple of minutes, you know, it's they're left frustrated and disappointed that, you know, that the missing valuable game time that, like I say, is is paid for. And, you know, if it was a free service, then, you know, you could, you could understand it a little bit that, you know, you've got something that only half-heartedly works, like you said, and, but but it's available for nothing. But that that's simply not the case. And and why I say that there's no excuse for this is that they've had months to figure this out. We all know that, like you say, there's a lot more people would be watching it. You know, there's a lot more traffic. But when you've had no football for three months, and we knew this was coming probably two months ago, um, that fans would not be able to enter the stadiums, and they would have to stream or watch you know a platform where their football club is involved then it should have been all you know done and dusted and all issues ironed out a long time ago 
Um, and I hope that the technical issues on Saturday, you know, can be rectified for, for, for next weekend and beyond that. You know, hopefully it's just a glitch in the system whereby it's happened this one time. And, and like I say, all these issues are then ironed out. But um, we will certainly see. But I, I, again, for me, no excuse whatsoever with it being a paid service now. So hopefully that will all be... Um, you know, rectified it, you know, from this weekend onwards. Um, but that takes us nicely, Jake, into thoughts and feelings. We've, again, not done this for three months, but this is where you've got the opportunity to pick a side of your choice and discuss. So who are you going to talk about this uh, week? Yeah, I think I'm going to go for um, Preston. Um, in James's absence, I feel that, that it's worth covering them. They obviously mm-hmm. okay. started... Uh, ended the period before lockdown um, in bad form. They were sort of dropping out of those playoff positions, and and what happened at the weekend won't won't raise optimism really. If we look, if we go back before lockdown, um, since the fifteenth of February, they've only won once in the championship. So you know, because dates really mean nothing these days. That is seven matches, uh, and that win came against Hull post Bowen and Grisicki. So you know, there's not really too much. You could take from that it's a very poor run, um, and at the weekend they had a they had a, a great chance to get back to winning ways um, against Luton, a team that many expect to go down. Although, albeit they had a new manager, so some unknowns there, you'd still expect Preston to get the three points. They obviously took the lead, but didn't manage to hold on to it. Um, and I don't know, I just I just can't see them keep keeping that sixth position. Um, there's still a lot of good players on that team. I think Bauer was a good signing. Um, Gallagher and Pearson, you obviously know what you're going to get from those. Uh, Scott Sinclair added a little bit of quality when he came in January. He also scored the goal at the weekend. But um, yeah, I look at their upcoming games. They've got Cardiff and Derby at home. You know, Preston historically been very good at Deepdale, but without fans there, um, I don't know if that will have an impact on that. Um, and you'd, you'd have to say, Louis. Um, out of the first weekend, and if that's all we've really got to go off on form, two teams that definitely look like they could get into the playoffs were Cardiff and Derby. <laughs> so Preston yep. having them yeah. up next step. Up next, if if we're thinking that Preston are, are dropping uh, and might not be able to get into those top six, you've got, they're coming up against the two teams most likely to to take that spot from them. So it'd be interesting to see how they how they do. You know, if they had fans in the stadium, I think I'd. Be more confident that Preston could get stuff, uh, get something for both of these games, but without them, I just think, I don't know, I just think that their bad run could continue, and I could see Cardiff going there mm. uh, on the weekend and winning, uh, likewise with Derby uh, a week from now. So yeah, it's it, it it's looking like more and more like Preston are going to miss out again, and you know, since we started this podcast, Preston. How many times have they been up there competing to get into the top six? And have they ever finished in the playoffs? They have not. So, yeah, it's looking like it's looking like it's going to be another year of disappointment for, for Preston, um, unless they can pull out big performances in the next two games. I think this is where their playoffs hopes sort of either live or die with these two games. They need to take at least four points, um, or even two even two draws would sort of slightly keep them alive. But you know. I, I, I'm looking at it and thinking they need four points from these two games. Um, the rest of their fixtures, if you look post these two games, they've got Huddersfield, 
team fighting at the bottom end of the table. Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, historically, they've always done pretty well against Preston, haven't they, Louis? So, you know, you'd think that that's yeah. one. Um, Normally. <laughs> a difficult game. And they've got Nottingham Forest and Brentford, two teams above them. Birmingham looks like a, a winnable game for them. And then Bristol City away, another team fighting for the playoffs. So they've got difficult fixtures. There's not many gimmies there. You might say uh, Birmingham is, is an easier game, but even they managed to uh, prevent West Brom from winning at the weekend. So, yeah, um, the next two weeks, uh, or at least the next two, yeah, the next two weeks are going to shape what happens with Preston. Cardiff and Derby at home and then Huddersfield away. They need to take at least four points, if not seven from those. Uh, and they definitely need to avoid defeat against Cardiff and Derby. But based on what I saw in the opening weekend, uh, I, I can't see Preston beating either one of those teams at the moment. Yeah, I think that even though they're sat in six, that they will um, fall out of the playoffs this season. In fact, I can go as far as saying that I think it may be Blackburn, Swansea, um, Either one of Derby or Millwell may still finish above Preston this season. I think they've got a tough run in and they've just not shown that form that they did do earlier in the season. But it's interesting that you've picked Preston as the team you'd like to discuss because I'm going to pick the team on the same points and for the opposite reasons. Um, I'm going to go with Cardiff. Both teams are sat on 57 points. And I know we've discussed Cardiff a lot last week and we've touched them on them this time as well. But Cardiff, for me, I'm just... With that victory against Leeds, I'm looking at their side and, you know, Neil Harris went into that club. He did fantastic at Millwall. And we said back then, you know, he's got a bit more quality at Cardiff in terms of the players that he's got at his disposal. And and I'm just wondering if if Cardiff could be that team that Aston Villa were last year, you know, where they went on that fantastic run, uh, went unbeaten in plenty of games and Cardiff are unbeaten in three now, won the last two. I know there was the three-month gap, uh, but that confidence booster that they'll have against Leeds, I really think that they may just be the team this year that gets in the playoffs. Um, Again, I'm not going to say that they're going to go on and win it because the playoffs are a lottery, but I really think, you know, you look at that side that they've got, it's, it's... a team where many people would say that they're on, you know, pushing the wrong side of 30, but at the same time, that those players are very experienced and I think it's proven that Neil Harris knows how to get the best out of them. You look at, you know, Morrison in defence, Joe Bennett, who's been around for ages. Uh, they've got Rawls and Volks, who they got from Rotherham. They've got a Doma now, Bakuna, Hoyler, Patterson, Tomlin, Tomlin, sorry, all players what seem to have been in this division for a hell of a long time, but they seem to, at the same time, be clicking, and I think it may just work for them this season. But, yeah, if d- d- discussing both the clubs, Preston and Cardiff, I, I would go for Cardiff finishing above Preston um, in the remaining eight games and, and Preston falling out of the playoffs like you mentioned. But, yeah, Cardiff might just be one of those dark horses. I really think that they they you know it could be their year that they get in the playoffs, um, but at the same time, I can still see, you know, Blackburn, Swansea, again, Millwall or Derby, you know, g- giving it a push as well. It's it's very difficult. And, and the fight for the playoffs this season is, yeah, very, very interesting. And, and it's going to be fascinating to watch as it is down at the bottom. I really couldn't tell you um, who's going to go down this season as well. You know, I know you called uh, Barnsley 
potentially staying up and they got that victory a massive win for them so yeah the, the fight down there is is going to be as interesting as the fight for the playoffs so uh, yes let's see that takes us nicely into previews and p- predictions where we've picked out three key fixtures from the upcoming games Jake uh, so straight away Friday quarter eight kickoff Brentford versus West Brom what's your prediction for this I think every neutral will be looking at this and hoping that Brentford win and uh, just to keep us with something going into the last last few matches of the season. Um, yeah. Based on what I saw, I didn't see a lot of the West Brom game at the weekend, but um, you know, failing to beat Birmingham um, isn't a good look on paper anyway. Um, I'm not going to pretend I, I saw a great deal of it, but it sounded like it was a frustrating day for them. But with the attack and talent they've got, um, I think they'll start to score goals again soon. Um, they've got so many options, and with five subs available, they've definitely got the squad depth to really take advantage of that. So I think that they will come on strongly again. Um, but they haven't scored in three matches now, although before the lockdown, it's difficult to take take those into account. I just I was so impressed with Brentford, uh, especially in the last 20 minutes um, against Fulham. They just seem so much fitter than Fulham. Uh, see that they've done a lot. A lot of work uh, to get themselves prepared for the restart, and they look in really good shape. And they, they've got a lot of lot of squad depth as well. Um, we saw Marcondes come on and make such a big impact um, at the weekend. So I, th- I, I think I'm going to favour Brentford here. Um, I think that they've just got the quality in their ranks. Um, you know, something that, that might have um, gone amiss, um, but they, they've now moved to be the the best attack in the league in their own right, 66 goals for West Brom have 64 goals uh, for. So Brentford now have the, have the best um, attack in the league. They're also the second best defence in the league. Yeah. Um, the best goal difference in the league. You know, everything is lined up for Brentford. I just think, I think that they're slightly unfortunate not to be four or five points nearer to those at the top. Um, and I think they're going to close that gap this weekend. I think they're going to win. Um, I'm just so impressed with them against Fulham. They've had that big game experience. You know, playing against Fulham might have taken a lot out of the players, but they've had a week's rest. But playing against a team like Fulham as well would have given them such a positive experience, whereas West Brom haven't quite played that level of opposition yet. So, yeah, I think Brentford should win this one. I, I'm going to back them. Um, and I think they could be ones that, that close that gap and, and challenge West Brom and Leeds, albeit I think they might might fall slightly short purely because of the points gap at the moment. But I think they're, they're going to close it and they're going to cause West Brom and Leeds fans one or two worries. So, yeah, I'm going to go Brentford win. Uh, do you want to give a score prediction for that one? I'll go 2-1. Yeah, I'm with you. I've got 2-1 written down as well with Brentford. Um, I think they'll go on and do it like you've mentioned already. Yeah, the goal difference plus 33. Uh, Brentford have only lost... Three at home all season. Having said that, West Brom have only lost two away from home. So, you know, looking at the league table, you, you, you'd favour West Brom. But yeah, again, there's something about Brentford, isn't there? That just uh, the football, the two wins on the bounce, despite the three-month gap. Um, I just think, yeah, like you, that, that they're going to go and get the victory and, and close the gap. That takes us on to... A similar fixture under similar circumstances, which is the three o'clock kickoff, Leeds versus Fulham. What's your prediction for that one? Yeah, this is slightly different because I didn't, um, it wasn't impressive Leeds. They 
they didn't look like the same team that we saw before the break. Uh, I think before the break, they were easily the best team in the championship. Sometimes they didn't get the score lines that their play deserved, but they, you know, it was clear on the eye that they were the best team in this division. Against Cardiff, they were very slow for them. I thought the, the build-up was slow. They weren't creating the clear-cut chances that we normally see. They were they made errors at the back. Calvin Phillips, such an important player, didn't perform. Um, so, yeah, it's a difficult one. I thought Fulham, Fulham played well for spells against Brentford. Uh, created a few good opportunities um, with Mitrovic as well. You can just pump that ball into him and he will win. He will win the ball. Um, that's They've got that out ball that, that Leeds don't really have. Leeds play such, such precision football um, in a in the way that Bielsa wants them to play, whereas Fulham have got that option going slightly more direct. So I think that might suit them well um, in this game. So I'm going to go for the one or draw. I, I just didn't see enough from Leeds at the weekend. I, I, I believe they will be back at some point, like West Brom. Uh, you know, they're both too good a team to, to continue um, dropping points. But, yeah, I think Fulham did OK against Brentford. They could easily have won the game if it wasn't for Raya. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to go for a one-all draw and sit on the fence a little bit. Yeah, I can see why you've said that. Um, you know what? This is a game that could make or break either team season, uh, just this game alone, you know. Um, it's in, probably more important for Leeds that they got the win. I think Fulham will still finish in the playoffs. Um, but just because Leeds are at home and they haven't got the crowd behind them, I know they've, you know, the fans, they rely a, a lot on them and their support. I don't know why, I just think it's going to be one of them strange games where there's lots of goals and it, it can really go either way. So, Wait for it, Jake, but I'm just going to put it out there and go that it'll be a 4-3 win to Leeds United. I think that both teams are going to go for it, all guns blazing, straight from the off. Uh, maybe a couple of goals in the first 20 minutes and, yeah, it finishes 4-3 to maybe one or, you know, either side, but I'll, I'll go with Leeds being at home. I think that they really need to bounce back after that um, loss to Cardiff. So, yeah, I know that's a... Um, a strange yeah, prediction, not, but sitting on the fence, is it? <laughs> not at all. It's quite the opposite. I'll I'll go with I'll go with I'll go with a four-three victory in that one. I know I'll be completely wrong come Saturday, but um, but why not? What the hell? Uh, and then the other one, that three o'clock fixture that I've picked out. We've discussed both these teams um, in this episode, which is Stoke versus Borough. Another massive game. What's your prediction for this? Yeah, I, I just think that Neil Warner coming changes it a lot. He's normally one to get off to a quick start. He's excellent motivating players. Uh, it really makes it simple. Uh, there won't be the the analysis and the, the the tactical side that Woodgate sort of brought to it, that younger younger management mind. I think Warren, it's going to be very much back to basics. Um, and I think playing against Stoke, it's a difficult game. I think Stoke are slightly in a false position. Um, haven't lost in a, in a few a few matches, although that is Going back months, um, but yeah, I think Middlesbrough are going to going to start well under Warnock. I'm gonna I'm gonna tip for Middlesbrough a win. Okay. Purely yeah. For the Warnock factor. <laughs> yeah, I, I've I was just about to say I've changed my prediction. But before you know the appointment and the sacking of Woodgate, I'd got a two nil uh, victory to Stoke in this one written down. I thought Stoke could have won this one at home. The you know they've they've not lost in five games now. You know picking up plenty of points and they've, they've climbed out of that relegation zone or, or you know, hovering above it, at least anyway. Um, Middles, Middlesbrough, as we know, on a 
<laughs> they've only won one game in six. Um, Woodgate's now sacked. So yeah, we, we've Warnock in charge. I'm gonna I'm gonna sit on the fence again because you know I still I don't know what to expect from Middlesbrough. We've only having you know five days or so to to prepare under Warnock. But yeah, I'll still go for a one-one in that one. Um, I think that both sides will get something. So that'll probably be. I believe that Middlesbrough will probably be quite happy with a point at this stage, and then and then they can build in the remaining seven games from there. So, uh, so yeah, unfortunately, Jake, that's that for this episode. So, if you'd like to let our listeners know where they can find you, now be a good time. Yeah, you get me on Twitter at jjapwood 2 ends uh, I write for EPL Index, also feature on the EPL Roundtable, which is on this channel. Um, so, give that a listen as well. Yeah, thanks for that, Jake. I've been your host at Louis Shackshaft on Twitter, uh, but please remember to follow the show at Championship Pod. Uh, we post each show to our pin tweet, so you can always check that out on there. And please subscribe through your podcast provider. Uh, we want to thank you all for listening, and we will catch you next time. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. 